This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra-stylish, premium-quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin 1 expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin 1 is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RNRTAKE30. That's RNRTAKE30 at TaskinSF.com. Next up on an all-new Rick and Rick, Matt Binkowski, author of The Creative Algorithm, How to Harness the Power of AI and Create Outstanding Digital Products, shares pragmatic insights on how product teams can leverage AI to outmaneuver the competition. So let's talk a little bit about how AI can help product teams better understand their products and specifically the competition. And you have a little bit about this in the book. Yeah. Recently, my team was looking at different tools that were out there that would give you a visual walkthrough of the journey that customers have within different mobile apps. So in banking, it's how do I pay a bill? How do I make a deposit? How do I do whatever? And it turned out that that was all behind the scenes, manually done, where people inside the company had accounts with these different banks. They would have to go screenshot everything. They'd have to annotate things manually and then put it in a certain order. And it was kind of like, okay, did they make an update? We got to jump back in. We got to go back and do all that over again. And you don't know when that update's going to happen as the customer, right? So do you have the latest version of the whatever that does this feature? So when you think about that as something that's ripe for improvement, you think about being able to train an AI to go into these different things and collect not just the information, but do the sorting, read the content within every screen, be able to give you then the comparison of all the other places use banks as an example. It could compare all those flows from every bank, not just three, because that's all you have the time to go do. And it could bring it back to you. And then it could also say, well, and this is their core customer base. This is their personas. This is their demographic. This is what it's like. And they can kind of do the ultimate digging for you to then inform you and say, oh, wow, they're all doing it this way, but this one's not. I wonder why it's not. And that question is something a human would ask. So there's a lot in there in terms of not just helping the researcher, but helping the designer too, because you want to see what those journeys are like, what those flows might be like, where you can go, where you can't. And frankly, it takes a lot of time to do that, too much time, because that's not really the core of what you should be doing every day is just constantly logging into all these other things to see how they work. Do you think that at the end of the day, those who use it have a competitive advantage over those who don't, who are trying to do it the old way versus leveraging the AI? Yes and no, because I think you have have to know what your business goals are and what your roadmap looks like. So many things in digital products are experiments or flash in the pan things that get killed quickly. And you don't know why they did them. And you don't know what they're actually connecting them to behind the scenes and what their goal was. You just saw the end result on the screen. So I think in a way it can be a little misleading as far as what you're seeing out there. And we all know that companies will tend to look at the bigger companies in their space and make the assumption, oh, they're doing so much more testing and research and all this rapid prototyping and all these iterations and maybe not. You don't know how extensive all that stuff really is. Yeah, that's fair. So talk to me a little bit about the idea of keeping track of the work that we're doing and the idea of keeping teams up to date or communication, because inevitably, I always hear people talk about communication is not great. doesn't matter what company I've ever worked for. Nobody has ever felt the communication was great within a company. How do you see that this could help tracking the activities and keep people up to date? Yeah, I've run into the same thing. Anywhere you go, they may have different tools, they may have different processes, and everyone always complains. 
it's almost like you're trying to shove like something really big down a small pipe. You know, it's like you're trying to take something that a human way of communication works, but then you're stuck with the interface that the product has as ways for you to talk to each other. So then just like how people may have like a paved path to some part in a park, but they cut through the grass and <laughs> because they know that's a better way, right? right? They hack the tool to get it to yeah. do what they want. Honestly, AI in that space could be a big deal just in terms of helping people stay on course with what they're trying to do every day. I think about developers having to go to stand-ups and rarely do you hear developers say, I love going to stand-ups every day. It's my favorite thing, right? Or yes, I don't think anybody has ever said that. Except for the project manager. Project manager probably choice. Yeah, they can't wait for people to show up. Or, you know, please, yes, add me to another meeting. I can't wait to go and just stop what I'm doing, break my train of thought. So I think there's something in there where there's got to be a way for the information that's happening from the critical key players to be able to disseminate that in a manner that makes sense to people, that the right people get the information to. Jira is just one of those tools that some people think it's great because they can keep everything super organized. But for creative people, they look at it like, are you serious? Like, how am I going to estimate this? How am I going to project that? What's the status on this? And you just asked me yesterday morning, if you hadn't invited me to 20 freaking meetings between then and now, I'd have something different to say. I've heard that a ton. I don't know, honestly, what that could look like, because that, to me, is potentially one of the bigger things that needs to be solved. If I both rat hole and tangential on this one, I do wonder if the complex nature of our work environments has exceeded the capacity of the human mind to keep track of what we need to. And I've heard this a million times, like, oh, I didn't know they were doing that. I wish I had known. But at the end of the day, did you really need to know? Would you even be able to remember if I would have told you because you had like 9 million other things. And so I think we have this weird dichotomy in organizations where people have one, the expectation that they're going to be somehow magically up to date with everything going on all the time, which I don't think is a reasonable expectation. I think it's too much pressure on the human being. Number two, that somehow there's this magical dust out there where everybody can make sure that they tell you the information that you need to know. And perhaps to your point, that magic dust is what AI could help to solve for is it's really what you need to know are the things that are important to you and where where it is today ai can't do that but if it could learn that what matt cares most about is any of the activities that have to do with this project and have anything remotely to do with ux design brand then it consolidate those and not give you all the ones that have to do with the developer moving a button from one side to the other troubleshooting problem yeah i think if you go back to the comment about like the design tools are going to change. I think most designers would love it if there was a way that their design tool could go send the status to whatever organization tool you're using, Jira, I don't care. So you don't have to go in there and try to like update a ticket and add a comment and whatever. If the tool itself has a connection to that, that would be lovely. I can't tell you how many people complain about having to leave their design and go into this, and I'm not trying to rip on Jira, but just have to go in there and go find the ticket and make sure that someone's tagged in there, you know, all that stuff. And then guess what? You go to stand up, you're going to say, I just updated the ticket in Jira. Didn't anyone read it? Or do I need to update it now? Like, did I just waste my time? Like, I think that some of those tools, like, help me where I want to be and don't drag me out of this just because you love to be able to crank out lots of charts and graphs to show something's going well, you know, and you've got like, is it red? Is it yellow? Is it green? Like all that stuff. Who, Who doesn't love themselves a good Gantt chart? I mean, come on. 
After this short break, we'll continue our interview with Matt Binkowski, the author of The Creative Algorithm, How to Harness the Power of AI and Create Outstanding Digital Products. Stay tuned. Hey, Rick and Rick Nation, don't forget to check out our website at rickandrick.com. It's double the Rick in just one click at rickandrick.com. And we are back. You're listening to Rick and Rick Rule the World with more from Rick W's conversation with Matt Binkowski, author of The Creative Algorithm, How to Harness the Power of AI and Create Outstanding Digital Products. So I'm not a very organized person. I am, but I'm not. I can't keep track of everything I need to know. So when I started out my career, I mentioned Palm earlier. One of the reasons I went to go work for Palm was because I thought the Palm Pilot was such an amazing device. And Mm. it solved a real problem for me, being able to keep track of all these things. I just couldn't do myself. And so that's what drew me there. And I was fortunate enough to end up with the job. And for most of my career, this somehow has been part of what I've been revolving around as a career until I got security and I got sucked up. But this thing makes me sane. And so people yeah, are like, phone. you're yeah. just attached to the hip with your phone. It's like, yeah, if I didn't have it, I wouldn't be here because I wouldn't know where the heck I'm going. I wouldn't know well, where to, who to go meet. And so AI yeah. can make this or whatever system somebody uses better. And so that, yeah. that's where I get kind of excited. And you talked about the Jira mess. I mean, I get hundreds of Jira alerts every day and don't tell anybody, but I probably only <laughs> look at one or two. And it's because there's a project that I'm thinking about that comes through. Like, that's it. And so like being able to help me prioritize and all that, I think that would be cool. Yeah. Think about the transfer of responsibility in your brain to the phone. I don't have to remember my calendar. I don't remember someone's phone number. I don't have to remember so many things. Take the phone and give it to AI and let it not just know those things, but then kind of know what to do with those things too. One of the things you mentioned in your book was the idea that from a designer standpoint, from UX standpoint, that AI can help with things like accessibility. And I thought that was a really interesting point. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, not every organization really focuses on accessibility and they really should. (laughs) You'd be surprised if you actually looked at your own employees, the percentage of people who could benefit from that too. And companies get penalized, they get sued because they weren't compliant. And then because it feels like an extra step in the workflow, that's what agitates people. Like, oh, now it's going to take even longer. Today, people may use things like a plug-in and figure out schedule or something to try to like check through, you know, contrast ratios and legibility and all this stuff. But ideally your design system is good to go. But if you're not there yet, you know, I've been at plenty of organizations that don't have a design system and you have like rogue nations running around, like you just give me a UX person is the request and they have to be a Swiss army knife and do everything under the sun by themselves. And accessibility is one of those things that does kind of fall off the list due to time constraints or budget or whatever. So I think similar to you, testing, you could have an AI act as somebody with these different either disabilities or considerations and try to utilize the product without you guessing. Or frankly, who wrote the accessibility plugin that people use in Sketch or whatever? You don't know them. You don't know how good it is. You're just trusting because you found it online. You're like, oh, cool. I'm going to try to use this. It'll save you some time. I worked on a mobile app and web app recently for a government-funded program that provided funds to largely the elderly or disabled. And it was kind of like a one-way deposit account. They could put the money in. You can't put money in, but you could spend it. And you would have people, and this is a true use case, that the person would be at Walmart at 11.59 on July 31st, and they're refreshing the app constantly looking for their money because they have a cart full of groceries for the month. 
That's harsh, right? And if that app doesn't work, and if they can't read it, they can't figure it out, they will eviscerate you in the app store ratings and reviews and contact you however they can and telling you this isn't working. It also impacts them because they don't get the food. Yeah. Like in that example, that's a pretty dramatic expense to them. Yeah, it's real, you know, and, and this was a, an app that had at least, when I worked on it, 500,000 users. That's a healthy number to worry about. And our team took that thing very seriously and did far more user testing than we probably would have done on other things just to be certain that we're going to get there. So, yeah, I mean, I think that accessibility definitely needs to be a higher priority for every company. And sorry, but you can innovate in that space too. I feel like because it's not such a high priority for organizations that the time spent on it goes down, emphasis goes down, everyone's just worried about shipping and let's get the next release. And okay, we'll, we'll circle back to that. That's like the designer's total nightmare is something gets chopped and thrown in the backlog. Like, we'll come back to that. Like, no, you won't. Like, we know you're not going to do right. that. And it's horrifying, right? So just becomes you, design debt. It's design debt that everyone goes, you know, looks fine. We don't have to worry about it. We'll be back after this short break. This episode of Rick and Rick Rule the World is brought to you by Taskin, the first name in ultra stylish, premium quality travel gear, like the exquisitely designed Taskin One expandable backpack. With nine practical variations, the Taskin One is always the right size for wherever life takes you next. Save 30% on your next purchase when you use the promo code RR Take 30. That's RR Take 30 at TaskinSF.com. Welcome back to Rick and Rick Rule the World and more from Rick Wooten's conversation with Matt Binkowski. As I was reading your book, one of the topics that really caught my attention was bias. And the reason for that is that you had a balanced view of it, that basically what comes out of an AI tool may be biased, is probably biased by the data that's gone into it. And so having a human review that for specifically bias was something that was important. But then you also touched on the reverse, where sometimes the humans are the ones who are biased. And we could build into the AI tools that we use some sort of a test for our bias as well. And I thought that was interesting. I hadn't heard anyone talk about that before. Maybe if you could expand on that and what you were thinking there. There's several layers to it. There's the end user of the AI tool instructing it to do something. There's the tool itself that has access to information and the people who created the tool and constantly modify it. So you have all these different angles of things. There's bias on every side and you can be really good at trying to not have it, but it's very difficult. And so you have three angles of this, and then whatever it outputs, the fourth thing may or may not be biased. So it's messy. And I think human beings just have a natural instinct to want to have the answer. Just tell me so I can move on. I just think that corporate training needs to focus on bias. People who allow tools into organizations like that, the AI tools, need to be trained on bias and be able to spot the organizations that maybe aren't up to speed or aren't doing a great job with that. There's a lot in it. And then you've got the design tools themselves. One of the ideas I've thrown out there was, let's say you're designing a flow to log in or something like that. And there's all the variants of forgetting your password or signing up or what have you, all the branches that happen off of that. Well, you may have some AI tool doing some research, looking at all those different experiences, trying to annotate or give you this short story on what works and what doesn't or what's consistent between things and what isn't. Then it's comparing 
against personas. Then it's comparing against business rules and factoring in like size of organization and their market demographic. It gets so expansive yeah. that by the time it comes into the design tool, what if it's suggested to you as you make an artboard called login or something, however you do it, it then can give you a gallery of suggested configuration. Like, well, yeah. most people find the forgot password when it's over here, not over here. Or like you're saying, do we need to have a bunch of links below it or not? Totally. What's going to work? I love the idea of best practices, right? I mean, too many times I've worked on projects and it's like, really, we have to relearn this again? Haven't we learned this a few times already? Can we just skip this part and go with the design we know is going to work? It's interesting. So I love that concept, building in the idea of known user expectations and things like that. And green buttons are buy and red buttons are stop and, you know, whatever the intrinsic thing is. Yeah. UI design is a fascinating area. For me, I'm constantly evaluating and looking at everything I use. And even within iOS, if you jump between apps, there are some differences between things that you just don't understand, right? Like you go to the calendar app and everything's red. Cancels red, saves red, deletes red. Like every action is red, which yeah. you've been taught red is destructive, right? But it's all red. And then you go to the notes app, it's all yellow. Every button's right. yellow. And you just see these things and you wonder, like you look at the consistency and you look at how does that factor into best practices and yeah. what's going to make them more usable. And because people look at Apple in many ways, rightly so, as like a true leader in UI design, but the array of inconsistencies across the board is kind of a mind scramble. You know, you're like, what if I came to you and said, hey, Rick, here's a design for the interface and every button color is purple. Like, exactly. You're like, what? How do I know what to do here? Nothing drives me more crazy than when I go to log into something or use an app. And I'm so used to the progression button being on the left and the canceler back button being on the right. And every once in a while, I get to a site and they've flipped it for no reason, no good reason at least. And every time I, I go to click that button, as I'm clicking in my head, I know that's the wrong button, but my <laughs> muscle memory is there and I still click that cancel button and then just get mad, right? And, and you know, yeah. I end up using words I won't use right now, but it's like, you know, what are these designers thinking? What are these UX people thinking? It's true. I mean, I, I can't remember when, when I did this, but I was looking at different mobile websites and they were all shopping sites. And in mobile, they were all collapsed navs and you had the, the hamburger junk yes, drawer. Yes, yes. And then you've got the logo and you've got a search field, right? And you look across some of the biggest ones and they all have the same configuration. Because if you're learning the convention and you're jumping between these known competitors, why would you be the weirdo and flip it another way to shock them when they show up? And now they have to relearn something. And the, you know, at the end of the day, you kind of, like the point you made earlier, if you provide a bad experience, you're going to lose customers. And sometimes you're going to have those bad ratings on your app. And so, you know, just being conscientious of that goes a very long way. Yeah, I think designers are trained and probably expert at having empathy for other people. Absolutely. And I don't think AI is there yet. And that's the key of why a designer is critical to, and even the product owner, right? The product owner has to be empathetic to the people that they are providing something for. I've interviewed and hired people throughout the years. And sometimes you run into people who present work as if it was expressly made for themselves. Look at how great I am. Yeah. And, and you have others 
authors who are like, look at how well it was received. You know, look at yeah. how successful it was, right? If you don't hear me, 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 I, I, and, you know, when you're interviewing somebody, you start to pick up on a trend of like, oh, they actually are kind of selfless. Like they actually do care about the person getting into this situation and then working their way through it. All right. So if you were to summarize your book, I'm guessing it's AI is here, figure out how to use it, but know that it's not ready to replace anybody just yet, that we still need the human, especially the UX and the designer. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. I mean, I think that creative people need to think about this as a way to take away the drudgery of what they're doing. They also can look at it as, this is probably the smartest thing I have at my disposal, so how can I use it? And then expect every tool that you're going to use is going to have it baked in some way or another. And I think that is probably going to be the biggest contribution a designer could make is reaching out to those companies who are implementing these things and giving them feedback on, look, man, this is really where I'm hurting when I'm doing this type of work. Here are pain points. Here's something that if you could do this, I'm going to keep using this for as long as you make it. So yeah, I think that there's a lot in there in terms of kind of looking at it a certain way, expecting it's going to be there. I think educating yourself on it is really important. I don't think it's wise to ignore. That's why I included a bunch of AI kind of related terms at the back of the book. You know, do I know them by heart? Of course not. But have I read them? And have I been curious enough to look into them? Yeah, because whether it's the tool I'm supplied as the designer or the product I'm making that may utilize AI, I need to understand it on both sides of the coin. Well, Matt, thank you for uh, coming on today. It's been great talking to you and catching up and learning more about your book. If our listeners want to find you, what's the best way for them to find you? Probably LinkedIn. That's probably the best place to find me. And they can find your book on Amazon because that's where I got my copy of it. So it's great having you on the show today and look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, Rick. Tune in next time for an all new episode of Rick and Rick. Until then, stay safe, keep each other safe, and keep on coming back to the one show where almost everyone's name is Rick. And everybody rules the world. 